Let's get you back to On the Map. Here's Dave Plyer. On the map tonight, the most beautiful places in Chicago. The second edition of WTTW's Most Beautiful Places with host, writer, and producer Jeffrey Bear is now streaming at WTTW.com. Viewers are invited to come along on Jeffrey's newest journey to discover the stories behind eye-popping spaces and places around Chicago, from sparkling mosaics and historic homes to public parks and gardens to intricate facades and architectural marvels. My friend Jeffrey Bear joins us tonight. Jeffrey another great Chicago special. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, and I want to start out by saying I, I, I got, want to give credit to my producer, Bridget Sarno. She's the producer of this program, not me. I gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know what? I will tell you that no matter where I am, what I'm doing, and I turn on the TV, if I see The Sopranos or a Jeffrey Bear Chicago special, I will stop at my tracks and watch that show. They're fabulous. Well, don't tell Tony Soprano that, or you might end up with cement overshoes. That's very true. That's very true. You know, I think... But thank you. Thank you. I'm very flattered. That's very nice. Well, you know what? And I think I knew when you did the first one that you couldn't quite fit all the beautiful places in our city in one TV special. I think I knew a second one. I think might be a third one coming, but I'm glad that you put this one together. Well, thank you. I, I, I can't say if there's a third one or not. We're, we're uh, on to some other new projects and different ideas. Uh, keep, break, keep, keep shaking it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the premise at the beginning of the show is could uh, we really have uh, captured all of the most beautiful places in Chicago in one show? Of course not. So I'm back with more. I got it. I got it. Well, first, how do you personally define what a beautiful place stands for, Jeffrey? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and and I've thought a lot about it, actually, because there's the physical beauty, you know, the undeniable, jaw-dropping, you-can't-believe-your-eyes, dazzling kind of beauty. And there's plenty of that in this show uh, and in the other show, too, the first one. Uh, but the other thing that I think makes a place beautiful is how meaningful it is to the people who are showing me that place. So another hallmark of, of this show and the previous one are these, just these great people who mm-hmm. we, we meet in the program and who, who really talk about why these places are so meaningful. I almost think these people that you've interviewed are as fascinating as the places themselves. I agree with you. Thank you. I, yeah, we, we talk about kind of casting the people who we interview, and, and uh, I think we found some amazing folks. One of the places that you feature is a favorite of mine. It's the Chicago Cultural Center. It's where actually the Museum of Broadcast Communications was for, for many, many years. We had yes, many Radio right. Hall of Fames upstairs with that beautiful Tiffany Dome. But let's talk a little bit about that. It was originally the main branch of the Chicago Public Library back in the late 1800s, right? That's correct. And it has the world's largest Tiffany glass dome. And also all of the walls are encrusted in, you know, you just can't believe your eyes. Just just this dazzling Tiffany uh, mosaic glass uh, throughout the whole mm-hmm. um, south half of the building. Um, and then the north, on the north side, where I think fewer people are aware, um, so that would be along Randolph Street. Uh, the, the south side is along Washington Street at, at, at Michigan Avenue. But along Randolph Street is uh, an old Civil War Memorial Hall, the Grand Army of the Republic, or G-A-R, Memorial Hall. And this is because 
the library was built on the old Fort Dearborn Reserve, you know, this western outpost of the U.S. government in the like late early 1800s. And so in order to get the land to build the library in the, the late 1800s, they actually got sort of made a deal with the with the U.S. government or not the U.S. government, but the Grand Army of the Republic, which was kind of like the VFW yeah. for the um, Civil War, uh, that they would create this memorial hall in the building. Well, it has an equally stunning glass dome but you haven't been able to really appreciate it for decades because it was covered over on the outside with concrete right. and then lit with ugly fluorescent light below that, and it was dirty. And so in the show, you meet um, this restoration architect, Gunny Harbo, who led a huge team of people um, uh, and other specialists who restored the dome and also restored the hall, and they really talk about that. And then Gunny has an ancestor who was... Uh, in the Civil War, and he was looking at this medallion on the wall, this sort of Civil War medallion, and he went home and he pulled a medal out of his drawer, and it's the same medallion. Wow. His great-great-great-great-grandfather's medallion. Wow. Um, and so it was very personally meaningful to him uh, to do this restoration. Now, you know, there are so many beautiful places in Chicago. I love this building, and I know it was set for demolition sometime in the 90s, wasn't it? Well, threatened, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, this is another thing we talk about in the show. You know, there's a point at which a building, before it's historic, is just old. And many buildings are lost in that period before people start to realize um, and, and sort of appreciate their historic value. They just get torn down because they're just old. Yeah. I and guess. the idea that this building could have been torn down. Mind-boggling. Is like yeah. Mind-boggling. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, there's a, a couple mosaics and, and uh, murals that are also featured in the show. Yeah. So the show is kind of in three acts. And the first act is kind of art on the walls. And the second act is buildings homes at mostly, but also a school. And the third act is nature. So, uh, yeah, in, in, after we see the cultural center with all these mosaics and beautiful art on the walls, we go around and look at murals all around Chicago. Uh, and then we end up featuring one that I think a lot of listeners might know if they drive on Lakeshore Drive and get off at Foster in the underpass. You, you're, you're like, wait a minute, what's this? You know, it's this, this twinkling mosaic glass, uh, on the walls of the underpass as you go underneath Lakeshore Drive on Foster Avenue. And um, this was a community uh, project um, that was um, meant to celebrate Native Americans. And the Native American community got together and said, well, hold on a minute. If you're going to celebrate Native Americans, uh, we need to be involved, you know. And they talk about how there's all these cool. kind of cliche monuments all around Chicago that are like heroic, you know, Indians that Native Americans had nothing to do with. And that that sort of, you know, we talk about cultural appropriation, but they're just kind of cliche and stereotypical. So they created this, they brought the Native American community together and they broke little pieces of tile with hammers and smashed the tile to make little broken glass patterns. And then they created these beautiful murals on these mm -hmm. walls underneath the underpass that celebrate not only the past of Native Americans, but what's very important to them is the present day Native American community. Because one of our interviewees says, you know, people think we're all gone, like we don't exist right, anymore. Right, right. So uh, one of the walls really shows, you know, like skateboarders and iron workers and, you know, 
present day uh, Native Americans. And these are things we're talking about, but you got to see them at WTTW.com. It's uh, the special streaming right now. There's a, there's a few high schools also focused uh, on here. One is uh, Chicago Vocational High School. It's got a quiet Art Deco majesty about it. I'm a big Art Deco guy myself. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, that's uh, so the uh, Chicago Tribune architecture, no, sorry, Chicago Sun-Times architecture critic Lee Bay um, has written a lot about, he's from the South Side, and he's written a lot about overlooked architecture on the South Side. Um, In fact, he wrote a fabulous book about it um, called Southern Exposure. Um, And his alma mater is Chicago Vocational School, which is down along the Skyway, kind of really on the, you know, southeast side, the industrial southeast side, you know, people sort of, you can sort of glimpse it on the skyway. And you're right, it has this enormous, like monumental, heroic Mm -hmm. Art Deco entrance where the, and the ornament at the top is all, you know, this kind of um, carved stone ornament at the top is like drill presses and, you know, (laughs) printing presses and and automobile engines and things because it was a vocational Vocational. high school. Right, right. and and uh, Lee was a graduate from there. And, of course, Lee, he said the trade that he was taught there was printing. And then I thought, how funny, because oh. he grew up to be a, a, a journalist and a book author. Yeah, yeah. And he said that his, his um, English teacher, his senior year, is the one who inspired him. I uh, said, hey, you know, you write really well. Have you, have you thought about journalism? And that set him on his course uh, as an author and journalist. And that's what I love about this special and, and these specials is because you're really focused on some of the people behind here. And again, I find them just as fascinating hearing it from them than looking at, at the architecture itself. I love meeting all these people. One of the people we interview is maybe one of the most memorable interviews I've ever done. Um, her name wow. is Deja Perkins, and she's an African-American uh, young woman. She's a, a naturalist a study in a Ph.D. program right now. Um, and her mission in life is to take um, people of color out into nature um, because she feels, and it's really from her own life experience, that, that often people of color don't feel um, safe or welcome uh, out in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't feel safe or welcome out in nature. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go bird watching with her. So she takes people of color out in nature because uh, she finds even from her own experience that people of color don't often feel welcome or even safe out in nature. And I go bird watching with her. Um, and she talks about the history in cities of redlining where African-Americans were restricted and where they could live and that their neighborhoods, she says in her own neighborhood growing up in Chicago, she didn't know nature existed in the city. There are far fewer trees in those neighborhoods. Um, you don't see wildlife. Um, and and it was just a so powerful and meaningful day to go out with her. And I'd never been bird watching before. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a wild thing to do. I loved it. That's fun. That's fun. All right, we're talking to Jeffrey Bearer, host of The Most Beautiful Places in Chicago 2, now streaming at WTTW.com. There's more with Jeffrey after the news next. Let's get you back to On the Map. Here's Dave Plyer. We are talking to Jeffrey Bear, host of The Most Beautiful Places in Chicago 2, now streaming at WTTW.com. Um, there's a photographer 
who takes photos from the top of, well, I still call it the Hancock. I still call the Sears Tower the Sears Tower. But on top of the Hancock, capturing, <laughs> right? capturing the skyline, uh, poking through the clouds. It's pretty cool. Yeah, his name is Peter Stye. And uh, he, I think he was a Tribune news photographer. He had many different jobs in his career. Um, but, yeah, he, he had this idea. He went up to the top of the uh, Hancock building. Um, it's now called 360 Chicago up there, the, the, the sort of viewing sure. uh, area. Mm-hmm. And on a, on a cloudy day, sort of on a hunch. And sure enough, the tops of the buildings were poking up above the tops of the clouds. And he just got these stunning photographs. And sometimes he, he goes back up there at night, so the clouds are kind of glowing. But we say in the show, he waits for bad weather to make Chicago look beautiful. And he talks about the marine layer and our, our particular kind of fog in Chicago because we're right on a lake, you know. So when the lake temperature is higher or lower than the temperature on land and there's certain moisture in the air, you know, you get this amazing dramatic fog that either flows in or flows out. And it's, it, you know, so he'll drop everything and go running up to the top of the, wow. the Hancock when, when, it's a, when, it's a, uh, when the conditions are just right. Uh, and you're right, he does a lot of time-lapse photography, too, so the clouds move quickly, and uh, it, it's just beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. The the Glessner House uh, on Prairie Avenue, I think it's a museum now, and it's always decked out for the holidays, but this is a pretty historic place. It is, and it has a special meaning in my life. I'm a docent or a tour guide for the Chicago Architecture mm-hmm. Center, originally the Architecture Foundation, a Chicago Architecture Foundation, and I did my docent training in 1987 in Glessner House. Wow! Uh, because it used it used it, Glessner House. What? So okay. So th- where it is is it's in what we now call the South Loop. It's at 18th and Prairie, east of Michigan Avenue, not far from the lakefront. Mm-hmm. And it, that area was the first gold coast of Chicago in the late 1800s. But the railroad started, you know, building, a, you know, railroad yards and things down there. And a big vice district started growing up to the west of it. And so the neighborhood was quickly kind of uh, abandoned. Uh, the, the wealthy of Chicago fled north to what is now the Gold Coast, led by Potter Palmer. And um, but the Glessners stayed on until they died. And uh, wow. most of the houses on that block were cut up into rooming houses um, or torn down. Um, and the neighborhood just became kind of industrial and then kind of abandoned. Uh, but this house was still standing and it had become like a kind of like an industrial building and had like fluorescent lights hanging from the ceiling. And uh, But the Chicago Architecture Foundation was formed to save the house because they knew it was a very important house. It was one of the early houses by this really important architect from Boston named H.H. H. Richardson, who kind of pioneered this sort of fortress-like, rough stone, um, arts and crafts architectural style. And uh, like every county courthouse in America now. And uh, well, or at least during the mid 20th century. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so little by little, they've restored the house. They brought the furniture back from the Glessner's heirs. So it's the original furniture that was in the house. And it's been open for decades as a museum. And you really it's like you step into a time machine right back into the Gilded Age when you go into this house with all the actual original furnishings, not recreations. Um, It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know, on the show, we always talk about uh, places to go regionally and across the country, across the world. And, you know, there's so many beautiful places right in our own backyard to do a little staycation. And this special will get you there. You also talk about uh, Millennium Park and the Bandshell and the Crown Fountain and, and the Lurie Garden. And some people don't get to experience that. So it's nice to see and understand the details and how the, everything all came about there. Yeah. And there's a lot of different stories, too, about um, you know, we, we just sort of sort of been around for 20 years now, but, but it was a lot of controversy when it was first being built. Um, you know, they were, there, there was a, that last remnant of the railroad yard along the right. lakefront there and mayor, mayor Daly with his dentist office was across the street and he'd look out the window every six months <laughs> when he went to have his teeth clean and, and say like, why is there still like a surface parking lot, you know, surrounded by our beautiful lakefront parks. And so he kind of, you know, we started the ball rolling and it was originally just going to be this kind of bland extension of Grant Park, but they, they just couldn't raise the money to do that. The the philanthropic community said, which millennium are we talking about? And, and they wow. said, but if, you know, if you can, if you can get some of the world's great artists and designers together, we can raise you hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and sure enough, that's what happened, which is how we ended up with the bean and right. Frank Gehry designed uh, Pritzker pavilion and that fountain with the glass towers and the, you know, faces of Chicago and spitting water into the mm-hmm. reflecting pool and mm-hmm. these crazy things. Yep. Um, we forget that there was quite a bit of controversy 20 years ago when it was really first conceived. It's funny that you mentioned him looking outside of his dentist office. I remember when Amir Emanuel was uh, in my studio for an interview and he looked down at, at the bridge uh, and he saw the medium, the yellow medium was all rusted and looked horrible. He goes, God, it looks horrible up here. And I'm like, yeah, it looks, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, and within a week it was beautifully painted. So it's funny. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the first mayor daily apparently used to, you know, he had a driver and they mm. used to just, have his driver take him around the city yeah. and he'd be like, why are those trash cans there? Get rid of those trash cans, you know? And, uh, you know, why is that street light pole rusty? Paint that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were still doing that. Um, before I let you go, you know, uh, so many people talk about the holidays in Chicago and so forth. And, you know, especially the traditions at Marshall fields and, and, and Macy's on state street. And, you look at the history, like, you know, it, it traces back to the mid 1850s and, you know, Marshall Fields, who, you know, created this amazing company and John G. Shedd, who took over his chair and really expanded it and the Walnut Room and the windows and Uncle Mistletoe and all these classic things about about Chicago and the holidays. I always wondered to myself, Jeffrey, because it's the last Macy's in the city and, you know, with department stores getting smaller and, and closing like I hope they remain there, and but I can't imagine they're going to keep eight floors uh, forever, you know? Yeah, well, you're dating yourself. <laughs> Is it seven floors? Uh, no, no, no. I just mean I remember all that, too, yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's a bygone it's a bygone era. Um, you know, I think certainly with the pandemic and with the rise of e-commerce and what that's done to shopping malls and stores, um uh, you know, there's a lot of question about what's ahead for cities, right. you know, yeah. and I'm a yeah. big, big lover of cities and, and density. And I'm a kind of a an, a, an opponent of suburban sprawl. I, I think walkability is is key to sustainability, you know, and, yeah. and um, so we do have to figure out um, 
what's the path forward? What's the evolution? You know, cities always change and are ever changing. So, so what's what's the evolution now um, in in this you know era of um, e-commerce and and coming out of the pandemic when people aren't going to the office as much as they used to, working remotely. Um, cities are going to have to be dynamic and figure out well, what's the next chapter. So true. So very true. Jeffrey Bear, the most beautiful places in Chicago, too, now streaming at WTTW.com. WTTW.com slash most beautiful is how you find it. And there's a phenomenal website there that goes along with the program. Easy to go. Jeffrey, always a pleasure. And happy holidays to you and your family, my friend. And to you, too. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir.